Welcome. It's good to have you with us for our Christmas carol service. But you, Bethlehem of Prather, although you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. The reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, commencing at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. A further reading from Isaiah, chapter 11 this time. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf with the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hands into the viper's nest. They will neither harm or destroy. 
on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Luke chapter 1, verses 27 to 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered. To his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Reading from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those 
on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Reading from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's, uh, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This reading is from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God... And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him... All might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name... He gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. they're going to have mercy on you and turn the lights off again at this point.
Liz has just been reading to us from John's Gospel, and John starts right at the beginning, not the beginning of the story of the life of Jesus, but the beginning of everything. Uh, And one of the things John is very keen for us to understand is that God loved this world. It, It was the world he had created, he had made it, and his evaluation of the world was that it was good. He saw all that he'd made, and it was very good. Uh, And if you think of the world in which we live with all of its beauty, uh, with all of its its splendor, with all of the the diversity that is there, all of the, the creatures, some of them quite strange and odd, but it's all very, very good. Until, until sin came into the world. And the problem was then that with sin also came death. And with death came suffering, cruelty, and injustice. And at one point in their history, God's people were enslaved in in Egypt, building the great treasure cities to the glory of the Pharaoh who proclaimed himself to be a living God. You might ask the question, well, what is man? Why, in all of the vastness of the universe, and as science is progressing, we're beginning to understand, aren't we, more and more of the the vastness and the wonder of the universe in which we live, the, the, the countless billions of stars, Uh, And even when you think that there are billions of us uh, on the earth, what is man that God should even be bothered about him? But when God's people were suffering in the land of Egypt, the, the Lord said, I've seen the misery of my people. And he said, I have come down to deliver them. As if God had descended from heaven to deliver his people from the suffering and the bondage that they were facing. Of course, he sent a man, he sent Moses, uh, and, and he gave him extraordinary powers so that no matter how stubborn Pharaoh, king of Egypt, was, God humbled him and he eventually let his people go. But part of that story was pointing forwards to what we're actually celebrating uh, at this moment the, the night before, and it must have been a dread night, as the plagues on Egypt had increased one by one, there was a, a terrible night that's described as darkness that you could feel. And still Pharaoh didn't bend to the will of God. And so he was solemnly warned that if he didn't, there would be an even worse night to come. There would be such a night as had never been before, a night on which the the firstborn of all in the land of Egypt would die. But God said to his people, if you take a lamb and you slay the lamb and you put the blood on the doorpost, on the lintels, he said, I will see the blood and I will pass over. And it's still to this day the the festival that the the Jews celebrate and call the Passover. It it was a Passover meal that Jesus 
shared with his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. A a meal that reminded them forever that God was mindful of the hardship and the suffering of his people. He had indeed come down to deliver them. Uh, And it's an amazing story, isn't it? Some of you uh, may remember Cecil B. DeMille's um, famous Ten Commandments, which was the, the wonder of the age. Nothing now with CGI graphics, but the, the, the parting of the Red Sea and through people went on dry land. But that was an, a historical event. That was something that actually happened. God had come down to deliver his people. Uh, and the Israelites passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, but when Pharaoh and his horsemen and his chariots tried to follow them, the waters closed in on them, and they were seen no more. But if you jump forward some 1,450 years, roughly, give or take, you find that God comes down again to deliver his people, but, but this time not through an empowered representative, but God himself actually came down to earth. But not in the way that you would expect, and perhaps not with the result that you would expect. Uh, Wise men were called wise men because they were surprisingly wise. Uh, And they used human wisdom to work out what was going to happen. Uh, And so they turned up on Herod's doorstep. Uh, And they asked Herod, who was a a, a terrible tyrant, where is he that is to be born king of the Jews? Uh, And with that one question, they sentenced to death a whole group of children who were newborn to two years old, working out when it had been that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. Because Herod was paranoid. Who, Who is this one that's come to usurp my throne, to to oust me from my rule in the land of Judah. But Jesus came to his own. But John tells us that his own didn't receive him. Can can you imagine someone as, as significant, as important, as the God who was the creator of the whole universe, the one in which his people had been waiting for centuries to come. Uh, And when he does come, despite what he does, despite the fact that he gave sight to the blind, despite the fact that people that had never walked were able to get up and walk, despite the fact that someone whose dead body had been laid in a grave for three days was able to come out uh, and live a full and a normal life, despite all of that, They did not receive him. It was supposed to be good news of great joy that would be for all of the people. It it was announced by the the angels to the shepherds, wasn't it? And and their reaction was, was a great reaction. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. God has bothered to tell us Let's do something about it. Let's journey. Let's leave our sheep where they are. God can look after them. Let's go and find out what is happening. So they went uh, and they found the shepherds returned, glorifying God. 
and praising him for all the things that they'd seen and heard. God had spoken to them and they went to tell everyone that they could find what had happened. The Scriptures describe him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was the one they'd found. He was a little baby when they found him. He would grow into this amazing man that we've been talking about. But you remember his own people wouldn't receive him? And so 33 years later, that miracle-working, compassionate, loving God is to be found despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he had always known that this is what would happen. It was written centuries before. The prophets had spoken about it. And now it was being fulfilled. And on a cross outside Jerusalem, some 33 years after what we're celebrating at the moment, his birth, came his death, scourged, nailed to a cross, crucified and dying. But the Scripture says he's our Passover lamb. He's the one who delivers us from the death, just as that lamb back in Egypt had been a symbol of how people could live. If they put their trust in the promise of God, that the blood of that lamb on their doorposts and, uh, and over the, the head of their doorways, that that would deliver them from death. They would be delivered. And God says to us that if we accept who this baby is that we're celebrating, the baby that is born in the manger, the, the one who grows into the miracle-working man, the man who suffers and dies on the cross, if we believe that he is the one that God sent in order that we might be delivered from all the, the cruelty uh, and particularly the wages of sin, which is death. If we just did what those Jews did in Egypt, if we put our trust in Him, believed the Word of God, then we would know what it was to be saved from all the, the terrible things that were the consequences of our own sin and disobedience. Because the Scripture tells us that Christ died for the ungodly. Who are those ungodly people? Well, it's you and me, isn't it? It's us because of the way in which we have lived our lives. It's us because of the way in which we've spoiled this wonderful world that God has given us. It's us because of all the, the wrong things that we've done. But you remember what we began with? God so loved the world. I think one of the greatest mysteries is that when man started to wreck the world that God had made, why didn't God just say, okay, this is an experiment that hasn't worked. Let's wipe them out and start again. But he doesn't. He loves us. And he loves us because he made us in his image that we might dwell with him. And that love is an inextinguishable love. It's a love that reaches out over the centuries. It's a love 
that is enshrined in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came, the God who stepped down into human history, the God who so loved this world. No, let's make it more personal. The God who so loved you as an individual, the God who so loved me as an individual, that he was willing to suffer and die in order that I could be forgiven, in order that you could be forgiven, and in order that we could live with him throughout all the endless ages of eternity. The Christmas story is one that stretches right back to creation. And it's one that stretches right forward to the end of all things, to eternity, which we will either spend with God or not. And it will all depend on whether, like the the Jews or the Egyptians, we put our faith and our trust in the one who shed his blood for us on Calvary's cross.